Good morning, everybody. And again, as Pastor Matt said, welcome to Every Nation Church, Las Vegas. If this is your first time, a very special welcome to you. If it's your second time, a very special welcome to you for coming back. It means you like us a little bit, and we like you as well. So we know there's a lot of places you could have chose to worship today. We have a lot of great churches here in this valley. Uh, thank you for choosing to worship with us. And we're praying with you if you're looking for a spiritual home. Uh, we'll, we'll pray with you and see what, what God does. But uh, we hope you enjoy uh, your time here today. So how many have, uh, your life's been a little bit crazy, as Pastor Matt said, as we we're kind of talking about. Anybody, you've been, you know. So I've got family in town. I've got friends and family in town. And you know how that goes, right? You come to Vegas and you just want to party and eat at every single good restaurant. And, you know, and so, uh, so I got uh, friends and family in town and, We've been having a good time. So real quick, I just want to do something uh, very fast. It's going to require a little bit of a background, uh, just so you guys know, but, and I'll do this before we uh, get into God's word. Um, but my family, majority of my extended family uh, is serving God today uh, because of my sister, Davina, who gave her life to Christ at a young age. She was about 16 years old. My parents found out. They kicked her out of the house, um, and a uh, very loving family was gracious enough to take her in. Uh, not only did they take her in, they were um, very generous um, in, in pouring their lives into her, discipling her, mentoring her, and because of that, my sister was able to reach the rest of our family. Now, um, before I go further... Um, I just want to let you guys know that you never know who you're ministering to. You never know who you're going to share the word of God to. It could be the next Billy Graham. It could be the next Davina, who my sister is. Um, but I have some dear friends here today, uh, and I really just want to honor them on behalf of my family. Dwayne and Tammy, can you, can you guys just wave? Just wave at the church. Um, On behalf of our family, we love you, we thank you. We're eternally indebted to you. Appreciate you guys so much. So, okay, wipe the tears, Davina, Dinah, wipe the tears. Um, yeah, but be, because of their investment in my sister, Davina, a majority of my family, there's a couple more we need to pray for. You guys can pray with us, but we're believing that God is going to reach them. How many know you can't run from God? I've tried, okay, and so, uh, but, but we're having a good time, so I thank God for for them and their family. Uh, and I thank God for my family who was here, and we have uh, been doing all the crazy things that family does when they come around. You do all the touristy things, and you eat terrible. <laughs> right? And so, uh, my man knows what I'm talking about. So, uh, and we've, like I said, hit every uh, awesome restaurant. Awesome doesn't mean healthy. Uh, and we've uh, been cooking up a storm yesterday, Dinah cooked up some uh, homemade crepes. How many know that's incredible? But, oh, my gosh, as much as we ate, it just it wasn't good. And so pray, pray for us. We're, um, we are uh, out of control. <laughs> and so the good and bad thing is that they're here for about another week and a half. So, so I got to do this for another week and a half. So we're going to um, blow it out and have fun, and we'll ask God for forgiveness for gluttony uh, later. And then... Uh, and then they'll leave me with all the baggage uh, when they leave. So, uh, ready to get into God's word? 
All right, I'll, I'll try to make this quick. I know we had some extended worship. How many enjoyed the worship? Isn't that good? So in 2014, me, my wife, my two boys moved here to Las Vegas from Guam. Um, we get here just long enough to drop off our bags at my in-laws, and then we proceed to Tacoma uh, to attend and officiate my sister Dinah's wedding. And so that, of course, made it very memorable. Uh, but there was something else that made that trip very memorable. Um, while my sister lived in Tacoma, a friend of mine allowed us to stay at his vacation home in Bremerton. It's about 40, 45 minutes away, maybe. And so uh, to get to Bremerton, we had to cross this bridge called the Narrows Bridge. One side was Tacoma, and the other side was, let's just call it the Bremerton side, everything else. And so in the morning, we would drive into Tacoma, and we'd hang out with the family and eat and party and do all that kind of stuff. And then about maybe 11 o'clock at night, we would drive back to the Bremerton side. Now, I, I remember every time we would get back across the bridge, we know that the Pacific Northwest is uh, heavily humid, lots of moisture. But at night, there was always this thick, dense fog. How many have ever driven in dense fog before? How many can testify that fog lights do not work? And so I remember this about this trip. I can remember approaching the bridge at nighttime, not being familiar with the place, not, you know, um, knowing the turns. And I knew that when I got across the bridge, I wouldn't be able to see where I was going. So I would get these bouts of anxiety as we go across the bridge. My kids thought it was cool because we hadn't seen a lot of that. But for me, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about safety. You know, I'm worried about, you know, will I be able to navigate? But dense fog causes problems with visibility, right? It creates problems with maneuverability. It slows you down and sometimes even causes you to stop right in your, your track. So they say even though fog can appear to be massive in size, there isn't as much water involved as you think. Fog can be made up of billions of tiny droplets of water dispersed over a wide area. But in reality, there's little to it. There's little to it. Anxiety works a lot like fog. Worry multiplies our concerns, tends to affect our perspective by spreading it out over large areas, making things seem bigger than they actually are. It slows us down and makes maneuvering difficult and sometimes even stops us. I don't know if you have ever experienced one of those big dust storms here where you had to pull over because you couldn't see. Well, fog can be the same way. And yet, while we carry these things, Jesus tells us to give those to him. He'll take them, big or small. But why does it seem easier than it sounds? I want to challenge you today to ponder a thought with me. And this thought is going to take us into the rest of the message. But could it be that we latch on to our worries because we don't believe that Jesus really cares? Some of you are drawing question marks in your brain. Some of you want to cross your arms because you're not there. But maybe the core and cause of our anxieties is because deep down, we don't believe that Jesus cares. 
It's going to take some explanation, so follow me. So for the last few weeks, we've revisited our Soul Care series called Baggage. We've all been on this journey of life. We've been on this spiritual journey. And over the years, we, there's nothing you can do about it. We accumulate baggage. Any pack rats in the house? You don't have to raise your hand. God knows. I, I warned my family, all of them who are here, I said, you know what? You guys are welcome to visit, but you can't leave anything behind at my house. But we accumulate things, and that's what we call baggage. So it could be, you know, heavy burdens from past mistakes, hurts, bad choices, maybe even things that you didn't even have anything to do with. But we want to show you how Jesus can help you let go, live free, and continue your journey by traveling light. Any, any light travelers here? I love to travel light. When I travel with my sister, she's like, Roland, can I put my purse in your bag? I'm like, wait, you got like three luggages, <laughs> and you can't fit everything you got into that. But I want to talk to you today about one of the heaviest and most common burdens of our current time. You can't do a soul care series without talking about anxiety. Say anxiety. What is anxiety? It's a feeling of worry. Anybody ever worry? It's a feeling of nervousness. Anybody ever got nervous? Uh, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome, as if you were driving through fog. And so for the rest of my time with you today, I want to give you some helpful keys to countering Anxiety. Follow me to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. If it's easier for you, you can just follow along in the screen. If not, I'll give you a couple of seconds to uh, open your Bible. Anybody got an old-fashioned Bible with you? Come on. For the rest of you, you can tap your way to 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. And it says this, starting in verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Can I read that one more time? Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Could you bow your head just for a moment? Lord, thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, you said your word does not return void. It accomplishes everything that it sets out to do. And Lord, I pray that as we get into your word, with the help of your Holy Spirit, you would help us to glean and understand and not just uh, hear the word, but Father, as we walk out those do doors with new revelation, we would be doers of the word, that the word would be alive in us, uh, in action in our lives, uh, Lord, even after a Sunday service. So Lord, help us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I don't know if you noticed it, but in 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, it's a very comforting verse for somebody who might be troubled. It correctly assumes that we all have anxieties. The Greek word is actually translated as care or concern. There's another word that is translated. It actually means a tearing of the mind. It's almost uh, being double-minded. To hear one thing and not be able to do it. It's a good example of anxiety. Some cares and concerns are a normal part of the human experience. It's just, it's just part of life. But as followers of God, there are some cares and some concerns that are illegitimate. And 
where it may be right to tend to legitimate cares, it's not right, it's wrong, sometimes even sin, to be really consumed by those that are not legitimate. So they say regret carries yesterday's burdens, stress carries today's burdens, and worry carries tomorrow's burdens. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about anxieties. So what is it about tomorrow that might have you worried? What is it about tomorrow that might have you preoccupied? Is it financial trouble? Is it family issues, relational issues? Is it societal problems? How many, we got a whole lot going on in our world right now. The more people I talk to, the more I understand how much this weighs down on people. But no matter what those cares are, no matter what you may be feeling, whether they're big, whether they're small, legitimate, or illegitimate, it's nothing that you and God can't handle together. That's what we're going to talk about. So 1 Peter chapter 5 points the way to unloading the baggage, as Pastor Matt alluded to. First, it talks about humble surrender. Say humble surrender. The author, Peter, I find this interesting. The one who is writing this was not known to be a humble guy. If you read the stories, when he walked with Jesus, he was usually the first to answer. He was usually uh, presumptuous. He was the guy who was ready, fire, aim. That was Peter's character. He was always arguing with other disciples. Matter of fact, the night before Jesus was crucified, he was at the table arguing who was going to be greatest in the kingdom. Sound very humble to you? I'm sure Peter was the kind of guy who would say, um, uh, next Sunday I will share with you in a message how, he, how to become as incredibly humble as I am. You know, and so he just was, it was, he was clueless. <laughs> There's a blind, we got blinders sometimes that we don't register, you know, and so, and that was Peter's. He wasn't the most humble person. And yet, here in chapter 5 of 1 Peter, he's leading with, this, our main text, to be, to be humble. I think, uh, you know, that if you were to actually look back at the chapter and study it, it you know, Peter's talking about elders. He's talking about, uh, he dresses young people to, uh, you know, address your elders with respect. And he dresses the older people. And a lot of it has to do with making decisions. How many know when you can't make decisions right? There's a lot of anxiety there. When you don't know how to make a decision. When you want to, you know, navigate and you're not sure which is the right way. How many are having uh, a fun time with your uh, 401k and the stock market and Bitcoin, right? I wish somebody would just give us a crystal ball and tell us when to buy, when to sell. But suddenly he's talking about humility. And this was 35 years after, about 35 years after Jesus Jesus died. So I think Peter grew up a little bit. I think he got some maturity on him. And I think Peter, you know, learned a few things. But most people who are struggling with worry, when we read a verse like this, we have problems with it. So if you're like me, and you, and you read something like this, uh, matter of fact, what comes to mind is, um, I, I'm, I'm probably dating myself here, but uh, back in the 80s, 
um, the first lady at the time, Nancy Reagan, came out with this slogan. And some of you might remember it. It was just say no to drugs. Anybody remember that? How many remember it? You just don't want to raise your hand. Okay. That campaign bombed. Why? Because it's just not that easy. Just say no to drugs. If it was that easy, there would be no drug problems right now. And so we kind of look at this verse and kind of have that same mindset. If you're like me, when you read verse 6 and 7, the one that jumps out to you the most is verse 7, where it says, cast all your anxieties on him, right? How many have gotten frustrated when somebody prayed for you and said, oh, just cast your cares on Jesus, right? And you go, in your mind, I've been trying, and it's not working. And the reason why it's hard to cast your anxieties are really hard to do anything for God. It's because you skipped a step. You went straight to verse 7 without looking at what verse 6 says. So the command here is, to, is not to cast your anxiety. That's where we want to start. You see, we like putting things in the microwave and getting out in 30 seconds and it being warm, right? And so we treat this verse kind of the same way. But we can't cast our anxieties because we haven't done verse 6. The command is not to cast your anxieties. The command is to humble yourself. That's where we start. Previous verse 6, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. We're going to talk, to that, talk about that in the end. If I can sum up the meaning, it's this. I'm going to make it plain. Be willing to accept whatever the cost to do what God asks you to do. That's what it means to humble yourself in this context. In Philippians 8, it says Jesus humbled himself. Now, Jesus was the son of God, right? He could have snapped his fingers and did anything, right? Yet, the son of God left heaven. He left his majesty. He left all of that to come down to us and to suffer, really. When you, when you read the greatest story, it's about Jesus giving his life for us. And Jesus humbled himself, the Bible says, and he laid aside all the, that deity that he could have brought with him. I don't know about you, but if, if I lived where Jesus lived, I, I don't know if I'd want to leave. <laughs> and to come down to where I'm at and to save me, I, I don't know if I would think that's a good deal. Yet he did that. And so we need to carry our cross. I'll tell you a quick story. There's a Christian. Remember, we said do whatever it takes right, at any cost, to serve God. That's what it means to carry your cross. So a Christian, he was carrying his cross. He determined that his cross was too heavy. So he stops by a store that sold crosses. He wanted to trade his in. And so he laid down his cross, and he began to try on other crosses. Every time he tried on another cross, he felt, oh, this one's a little bit too heavy. He would go try on another cross and feel, oh, man, this one's uh, giving me splinters. This one hurts. And the more he tried on different crosses, the more he realized, man, this may not work. But suddenly he picks one up. He goes, oh, man, this one, yeah, this one's about right. And the store owner tells him, it's the one you came in with. That's your cross. God has called us to carry a cross. If he carried a cross, we carry a cross. If he suffered, we're going to 
experienced some suffering. Anybody ever experienced any suffering? I have. Romans 8.28 says this, that we know that for those who love God, all things work together for those, uh, for the good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So where we may be tempted to grumble or complain or to lay our cross down or to resist something God is telling us to do or to maybe lament, we must carry that cross. But the Lord knows how much you can bear, and that's the important thing. The command is to humble yourself. All other actions toward God are modified, even enabled, by humbling ourselves. There's something about humility that makes casting easier. We're talking about casting our cares on him. Why is it so hard? There's something about humility, if we would humble ourselves, that makes casting our cares on him a little bit easier. So, speaking of casting, let's talk about confident relinquishment. Now, I know that this doesn't roll off the tongue as nice as the other, as the other points, but we're going to talk about this, okay? Now, where we prematurely go to casting our cares, now we can talk about casting. Uh, and verse 7 says this. Now notice it's an incomplete sentence. If you were to just start at verse 7, it would say, casting all your anxieties on him. That wouldn't make sense. So you need verse 6, right, to reinforce this. Now verse 7, like I said, it's an incomplete sentence. It makes no sense without the previous. So assuming that you've done verse 6, assuming that you've humbled yourself, now and only now can you begin to cast your cares on him or really anything else in God's kingdom. To cast means to throw something onto something else or someone else. It's the intentional act of relocating an object from one place to another. In Luke 19, we talked about this uh, as we just passed Easter uh, last month. Uh, but this is what happened during the triumphal entry, when Jesus was entering Jerusalem. If you remember the story, he was at uh, uh, the Mount of Olives, and it was the final hill before he goes into Jerusalem. As he's entering in, all the people recognize him finally as their king. Of course, it wasn't the type of king that they wanted. They wanted a military king. They wanted a political king. That's the kind of rescuer they wanted. He's coming down from the Mount of Olives. He's about to enter Jerusalem. And people stop him, and they begin to throw their cloaks onto the donkey. And they throw their cloaks onto the ground. That's what it means to cast. As they cast their cloaks, that's the same thing that we are called to do with our anxieties. Anxieties were made for casting, not carrying. But yet, what do we do? Carry. We're good carriers. We're burden bearers. And some of us are so good at bearing burdens that we, bury, uh, we carry other people's burdens. And that's not always healthy either. But that's another Sunday. That was for free. I won't charge you for that uh, nugget. But on the opposite side, to relinquish, as we're talking about, as we're talking about confident relinquishment, to cast means to throw something, to relinquish means to voluntarily 
give and to let go. And it has a lot to do with control. And how many know anxiety has a lot to do with not being in control? But God calls us to to throw that, to cast it, to voluntarily give up, to let go. That's what it means to cast. It's related to cast. Casting also, getting back to casting, was a banking term. It had to do with making a deposit. When you go into a bank and you're about to make a deposit, you give it to the teller. How many know you don't tug a war with the teller? You cast your deposit and you let it go if you trust the person behind the counter to handle your money. This is the same thing God is calling us to do with our anxieties. We cast, but if we trust him, where we can't carry, where we're not strong enough, where we don't know or don't see, we can throw to him, but we have to let go. If we trust him, do you trust him? Can he do what he says he can do? I believe you. So if you trust the teller with your money, let go. Let them do what they're supposed to do and let them handle the money from there. When Peter was exhorting everyone to cast your cares on the Lord, he was uh, referencing an Old Testament scripture in Psalm uh, 55. And it says this, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. You see, when Peter quoted, he only quoted part. I'm giving you the whole story here. The, the, the verse that he referenced was, cast your burden on the Lord, say and, and he will sustain you. There's a little bit of confidence in this verse that Peter didn't quite get into when he was preaching to his guys. And then it continues. It says, he will never permit the righteous to be moved. Psalm 55, 22. Speaking of confidence, it speaks of a trust in the teller. It speaks in a trust in God. We let go of whatever we're worried about. Whatever we don't understand, hello. Sometimes we get hung up on things we don't understand. And God said, you don't have to understand everything. And we stop and we, we, we see a little bit of fog called confusion. A little bit of fog called, you know, I'm not sure. And we kind of slow down. And God said, no, 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 trust me. Trust me. And we throw and we cast it. We relinquish control. And we have confidence knowing that we can't handle it, but God can. And finally, I want to talk to you about a divine assurance. Now, I want to read a story about a time that the disciples were in a boat with Jesus during the storm. Anybody recall that story? Mark chapter 4, verse 36, it says this. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. The other boats were with him, and a great windstorm. Say great windstorm. You might be experiencing a great windstorm right now, even as you're listening. A great windstorm arose, and the waves we're breaking into the boat. Any fishermen here? I used to live in an island in the Pacific that had the strongest storm systems in the world. And there was one time where a friend of ours, uh, where's my brother-in-law at? Uh, the guy from Umatic. What's his name? 
Robert, he takes us in this boat. I don't know if you were with me, Frank. And as we get out of the bay, we go out into deep ocean. If you don't know Guam, it, there's something called the Marianas Trench, seven miles deep. We can catch marlin after going 10 minutes out of the bay. The reason why is because the Marianas Trench, it drops right after you leave. Where California and Mexico and other places, you have to go for hours and miles before you start catching the big game fish. In Guam, we can catch them and see the land. That's, that's how deep the water is. And so I can remember going in this boat and knowing that we can't see anything underneath. How many know when you can't see something, it is scary? And your mind plays tricks on you. You're thinking something big is going to come up and just swallow you. We get out, and the water starts to get choppy. We're in a boat with a motor that is dropped onto it and bolted on. There's no cabin. There is no, uh, I don't even think we had life vests, man. We were just, that's how we roll. And we get out, and it starts to get choppy, and flying fish start to go back and forth. And, you know, and I'm acting like I'm having a good time, but it, I was not, I didn't know God at the time, but I was, I was a prayer warrior at that moment. I was like, God, please protect us. And water was getting into the boat. And so I began to get worried. And this is what's happening here. The disciples are with them, and the, 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 the storm starts getting bigger and stronger, and waves start to break into the boat. And here's what the, the disciples say. They wake Jesus up. And they said, they said, teacher, do you care that we are perishing? Notice they didn't call out for the miracle. Jesus, make the wind stop. Make the waves stop. Calm the water. They didn't do that. They said, teacher, do you care? Now, this point is bringing us back to the question that I left you with when we started and I left you with this question, do you really believe that God cares for you? Because if you do, it requires an action on your part. And as we're talking about worry, and we're talking about anxiety, and we're talking about trust, and we're talking about casting, and we're talking about depositing, and we're talking about relinquishing and letting go, if we really care, that, or if we really believe that Jesus cares for us, when anxieties come, we would cast it on him. It's as if we are proving him right by doing what he says. Imagine that. Imagine that. Why should we humbly surrender? That was the first point. Humbly surrender. Why? The second point. Confidently relinquish. Why? Why? You see, we end up here in the last part of our passage, not with what, not with how, but with the bigger picture, and that's why. We start off our journey, we enter our journey, and we encounter problems. But when you ride with Jesus, you end with a promise. And the promise is, he cares for you. All of this is summed up in this right here that he cares for you. I don't know if there's anything else in the Bible that is sweeter than those words. He cares 
for you. How many believe Jesus cares for you? When we know we're loved, it makes doing things a little bit easier. You know, there are a couple of people in my life who could speak to me honestly and can correct me. And no matter how bad it hurts, because they love me, you know what? I'll take it. I'll receive it. And I'll do what needs to be done. Yeah, I've been corrected a few times, and although it hurts, I'm like, ow, but yeah, man, you're right. Humble makes doing things a little bit easier. If we know God loves us, and we know he cares for us, it makes casting a little bit easier. That's why I left you with that question. Do you really believe Jesus cares for you? Because if you do, you won't cry out for the miracle. Though we like miracles, I'm not saying they don't happen. I cry for them all the time. But we don't find peace in the miracle. We find peace in the one who gives the miracle. The one who cares for us. Again, you'll encounter problems in life. But just remember that it ends with a promise that Jesus cares for you. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, we thank you. And we love you. God, we, we just can't outgive you. We can't do any more than what you've done for us. And we get blessed and we get motivated and, and we begin to do things for you. And then, Lord, you amaze us again and you just blow us out the water with your mercy and your grace and your generosity. And, Lord, we thank you. And, Lord, we love you. And I just want to pray real quick. If there's anybody here and you're going through something that um, we talked about you know, sometimes little things accumulating and making it look bigger. And I want to pray for you guys. But sometimes there are things that are not ordinary. And so if there's anybody here and you're going through something, you would say, man, this is not, not ordinary. Would you pray for me? Without anybody looking around, just where you're sitting, would you, would you raise your hand? I see. We're going to pray for you. Pray for you. Amen. We're going to pray for you. Father, I just thank you for those who are here today. Father, and they're faithfully serving you. Father, there's some here today and they're um, maybe not walking as close, but they don't know what else to do and they're trying. They're trying really hard. And Father, I thank you that your grace far outreaches our efforts and that there's nothing we can really do anyway because you've already done it. All we need to do is receive. So Father, I just pray that you help them. Lord, to overcome, to navigate. Uh, Lord, to uh, even, uh, Lord, bring a peace in their mind, uh, Father, so that they can think. Lord, that they can rest. Lord, give them reprieve from, from what they're going through. And then let me just give one brief invitation. We always want to give an opportunity for those who may not be walking with God. If that's you today. Whether this is your first time to hear something like this or whether it's something you've heard before, but 
you honestly say, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm not walking as close as I, as I used to be. And, and God is a little bit far uh, in the distance, more than I'd like. And if you want to get that right, would you raise your hand? I just want to pray with you. Amen. Anybody else? Church, can we pray together just for um, the one who raised her hand to say, Jesus, thank you for what you've done for me. I admit that I'm wrong and you're right, but I believe that you died for me and that your blood can wash me clean. Come into my life. Change me. Make me a new person and help me to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And can we celebrate just with that person who made that decision? All right, I'll just leave it like this, guys, and we'll close it up. Does Jesus care? If he does, cast your cares on him. Pretty simple, isn't it? Thank you, Lord. Father, just help us to bring this church out to the streets. Lord, help us to bring our witness to our families, to our coworkers, to our friends, Lord, to our neighbors and our acquaintances. So, Father, what we've received today, may it may not stop here. But, Father, may it go with us on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Lord, may you be glorified in everything we do. Amen.